that set the course for the rest of my life, really. You know, I mean, that's why I have the wife I have, that's why I have the kids that I have, that's why I have the career that I have, is that that door, for whatever reason, um, as embarrassing as it was, was shut on me. And it turns out that's where God had it. That's where right. I was intended to be, or not be at that time. Right. So we moved on. So. Fiori Communications, it's How I Got Here, a show of inspiring stories from Tallahassee area leaders, business owners, and neighbors, all the challenges, opportunities, inspirations, the twists and turns of life that led them to where they are today. Everyone has a story worth telling, and I am really grateful that we get to bring a few of them to you. I truly have been changed by my conversations with these amazing people, and I'm confident you will be too. I'm Dave Fiore, and in this episode, I speak with Sean Roberts, president and CEO of Mad Dog Construction. While he now enjoys great success in his business and finds joy and fulfillment in his personal life, the husband and father has experienced tremendous loss and disappointment. While at Auburn, Sean lost his chance to be an Air Force pilot, then saw a promising construction business fall apart during the Great Recession and endured the devastating loss of a child. But even though his life has taken some unexpected turns, Sean believes that everything that is important to him today is the direct result of the challenges he has faced and a faith that recognizes that his strength is not found in himself. He is grateful for what he has endured and looks forward to seeing how God will use it to impact others. We started by discussing how we would describe himself today. I would say first, faith. Um, you know, I probably am, am not great at that... Um I would hope folks wouldn't know that about me, but you know, perhaps we can all work better at that. But that'd be the first thing, and then family right directly uh, behind that. Uh, my kids and my wife are just—I mean—they're everything, you know, here on this earth. And right behind that would be business and Mad Dog Construction. That is—that um, is my home, my landing spot for my career. Beyond that, you know, I like to have a good time. Probably, uh, maybe a little bit more stressed out than a few people out there, but um, which inhibits some of the good times uh, in terms of going to play golf or whatever. But you know, I, I do like to have a good time. I like to spend time with close friends, and um, having a good laugh is really important in my life. Um, and thankfully, my wife and my kids uh, keep that all going at the house. I have a very humorous, different but very humorous uh, group of folks that I live with every day. So <laughs> that's good keeps it interesting. It right? does. It right. does. Okay. Uh, so you were born in Jacksonville. Yes. Right. But you came to Tallahassee. Did. Pretty much right away. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. Moved here when I was a wee bit of a, I think like three or four months old. I don't know. Moved into Killarne, Traley Road, both, uh, or my dad worked here. My parents, um, you know, they got divorced when I was about five, but um, both were from Live Oak, Florida and um, ended up here with me and pretty much stayed here until I left to go to school in college. Okay. I uh, grew up here in Tallahassee all the way through. What were those early years like for you? Um, you know, I think probably, gosh, it's like a therapy appointment, but um, uh, so <laughs> early on, started. yeah, it's all good. So early on, you know, um, I can remember the, the clashes at the house, you know, the parents, um, you know, they struggled to get along. Um, and after some way early before I was born, I had a brother who passed away at the age of eight and that really put a lot of strain on my parents' um, relationship. So, 
uh, both of which are deceased now. But I'd say early on, you know, I kind of was the ducking and dodging kid. I had an older sister who was um, a lot more able to uh, communicate and show her feelings than I was. So um, we did a lot of, um, I just kind of stuck in the corner, really. I just kind of tried to hang back and I really don't uh, try not to make a whole lot of trouble. That probably changed a little bit when I got into high school. But uh, generally speaking, until that point, you know, I just tried to, I was kind of a low key kid. I just sort of tried to hang back in the background and not make too much trouble in the household. <laughs> so, that, fly so that was the radar. Me. Yeah, I was flying okay. under the radar. I was not super at sports. I was not super at school by any stretch. So just kind of tried to fly under the radar. Yeah. Tell me about your siblings. I have a um, have two half sisters through my father's second marriage, um, and I have a my sister is uh, she's in New York. Um, she works in the film and writing industry up there. She used to work for Sports Illustrated. That's probably her calling card these days. If you wanted to know what she did, uh, she worked for Sports Illustrated for about four or five years, writing the back cover of that. So really proud of her. Very successful. A great person. Um, love her to death. And uh, my other two sisters are um, both also great, great folks. I call them kids, great kids. They're old now. Those are my siblings. Um, you know, we had the the sort of, um, you know, family that kind of starts and start, you know, starts over. Um, right. With uh, with new mom, um, who is probably just every bit as much of my mother as my biological mother was. So she pretty much raised me. So uh, she's here in town, too. So very happy to have all of them in my family. All right. You graduated from Lincoln High School right. in 1991. I did. Right? Yeah. So what was high school like? Um, high school was was a point in my life, I think, where I figured out that, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I was all that happy. You know, family always had financial strain. Um, I had two younger sisters that were growing up. They were doing their thing at a young age, a lot of attention, you know, to them naturally. Um, so I just, again, just kind of floating sort of under the radar. When I got to high school – especially, you know, 16, you start driving. I figured, well, I don't have to be at my house and I don't have to be here. So I began to just kind of make my own way and um, always had very supportive parents. But at the end of the day, there were a lot of places that, you know, I probably would have rather been than at the house. And so developed some good close friends, probably began to, began to express my um, opinions about what I thought about, you know, where our family was financially and what we could do differently out of an abundance of experience, you know, at the age of 17 or 16. <laughs> so you were expressing it to them? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that caused some That's conflict. always a good, yeah, good plan. Right? Works great. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that didn't always work out so well. So, uh, but, you know, I figured, um, you know, and then it, with them not thinking the same way I thought, of course, um, I'll just spend my time away from the house. So slowly I just kind of started to you know, I just kind of hung out with friends, and I'd go home when I needed to go home, and you know, for the most part, stayed out of trouble. Um, not always, but for the most part, just sort of worked on. I had a goal, and that was to go to Auburn University, and I needed to make some really stellar, you know, like a two point eight GPA and a thirty on the ACT or something. Set the bar really and I think high, I really, I just did get over that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so setting the bar really high and just kind of did the. Uh, I was a minimal kid. I mean, I did the minimal amount what had to, which you had to do to get through school really didn't push myself much at all in high school. Um, so, and that pretty much carried on through college until I got in the Air Force and then that changed. So. Right. Cause they don't really play that game in the Air Force. They don't do that. No, they don't, they don't like excuses. Um, they don't like waking up late. They don't like bad grades, um, all that kind of stuff. I needed some discipline in my life and, you know, fast forwarding real quick into, into college was uh, when I signed up for Air Force ROTC at Auburn, 
that was uh, that was a changing point in my life. I immediately just sort of it just sort of occurred to me that I had to be responsible. And that didn't make everything perfect by any stretch, but I took a lot more responsibility for myself and became a lot less of a victim, so to speak, and really just sort of figured that, you know, I had to do something or other than just sort of live this just barely getting by with grades and whatever else it was I right. was doing. So well, I was going to ask, why would the underachieving kids sign up for ROTC? I don't know. Um, probably a little bit like my faith story. It just sort of flashed in front of me one day and just all of a sudden made sense. I didn't like, uh, well, I lived at a fraternity house. Those were not great um, times uh, <laughs> in terms of, you know, following paths that you want to follow or you want to tell your kids about. Um, right. But you know, it just, uh, I had a grandfather. My stepmother's father was um, in the military, was a POW, um, very structured guy, very good man. You know, I think I had failed, you know, one of a couple of classes and it was just not working out and I was just barely making it by. And I don't know why necessarily, but I talked to him and it was, I can't remember the words, but basically just said, you know, at some point you can either take responsibility for yourself and do something for yourself, um, which will inevitably lead to you doing something for your family. And I know you can't think about all those things at the age of 20, but right. it is going to happen. So you can quit making excuses or you can do something else. I just went great. You know, I saw the military as a, as a place that would uh, take a, a guy like me if I was willing to jump in feet first and sort of shape me up. And they did. Um, and it was a good experience. So. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask, because they can put all the structure and they want, but at some point you've got to learn something about yourself, right? And you've got to come to a realization, because you could quit, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you could drop out if you wanted right. to. Yep. So so what did you learn about yourself during that time? Um, I learned, well, I learned two big things. One is that I can do it. Um, I didn't really, you know, if, beforehand, if, you know, if push-ups and sit-ups and running ever got hard, whether you were, you know, on a Lincoln tennis team or whatever, you just kind of, you know, you just kind of, sort of just sort of slowed down a little bit. Um, they don't, they don't, you know, TI instructors don't let you slow down. There's no slowing down or you're going to get yelled at. Da, 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 da. I think some discipline helped a lot. And the other thing that was really a significant thing for me was, so this is sort of like my faith journey is that, you know, it doesn't always work out perfect like, like you think it would, Right. you know, it doesn't always work that way. So got into the Air Force, uh, was challenged to try to make the most of the encampment training situations they put you in over the summers. And back then I wanted to be a pilot and that's all I wanted. I just wanted to fly airplanes. I didn't think much of anything about building buildings. So <laughs> right. uh, I wanted to fly fighter jets. That's what I wanted to do. That's what my stepmother's family did. And uh, that was real important to me. I said, hey, you got to make these, you got, you know, you got to get distinguished graduate award. You got to do all this stuff. So I did all that. Went through, got all that, worked hard for it, worked real hard for it. And came back and, um, you know, I was sort of this lazy kid with long hair that when I went to boot camp or field training, you know, they cut all that off and suddenly came back to Auburn after my, after that summer, you know, into my junior year and with this sort of new level of respect for everybody that was there in the, in the training corps, managed to really screw that up um, at one point, um, which was really good for me at the end of the day, um, or end of my life, really slept through a, we had these great classes in construction. This was a formwork final, it's like engineering class. Sounds awesome. Uh, it was really awesome, and it was really interesting. Um, so <laughs> formwork, but, like uh, yeah. boards on the ground yeah. to pour concrete. Really stuff. interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. So um, two tests, one, uh, midterm and final, and stayed up to the wee hours of the morning studying uh, for that test. 
Uh, test started at 9, went to 11.30. I woke up with my alarm clock gently buzzing at 10.45. Wake up, about had a stroke. You know, I mean, I, I literally thought I was going to pass <laughs> out. So the only reason I woke up actually is a guy went out and used a payphone to call my, my apartment and woke me up. That's the only reason I really woke up. So anyhow, short story, uh, trying to shorten it up. Went to place, went in, took the test. Professor Cooper, never forget, says, yep, you can take the test. About 30 minutes later, he says, everybody turn in your paper. Paper. He looks at me and he says, you too, Roberts. Said, okay. So failed it. Failed the whole thing. Lost my pilot slot. Uh, there was two in the state of Alabama to get. I had one of them. Another guy in Tuscaloosa had the other one. Lost that. Got just obliterated by my colonel. I mean, just how, how could you do this? How could you throw all this away? How could you? How could you? How could you? It felt just terrible. And I thought, gosh, wait, this was all supposed to go away because I got all this and I did this and it's not my fault. I stayed up. And it was one of the circumstances where there are situations in your life where it, it, you can have all excuses in the world. It's just not doesn't gonna change matter. Anything. Right? Doesn't change anything. I right. spoke to the dean. My dad wrote letters to the president of the university. Wow. Oh, yeah. And, so you were uh, all in just, on trying to get that fixed. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. So it didn't happen, but that set the course for the rest of my life, really. You know, I mean, that's why I have. The wife I have is why I have the kids that I have is why I have the career that I have is that that door, for whatever reason, um, as embarrassing as that was, was shut on me. And turns out that's where God had it. That's where right. I was intended to be or not be at that time. Right. So he moved on. So I know you can look back on that now, but I imagine it took some time for you to get over that. I was very upset. Yeah. I felt like I'd let everybody down. You know, it's this thing where nobody has, you know, nobody has an expectation that you'll be able to come from the sort of the pre-Air Force, Sean Slack, just completely not, you know, uh, selfish, all, all just bad things, really. You know, nobody has an expectation that you can get to a point where you could be considered for that. And then so when you get yourself there and then you fall down after having got there, that's embarrassing. Yeah. And that was really tough to... Um, it was really tough to, gosh, that news spread through the family and friends and it was embarrassing and blah. Yeah. But I bet. like I said, you know, after a while you, you keep moving on and I did and here I am. All right. So you did complete the program. Yep. You graduate as a second lieutenant. I did. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you're in active duty for three years. Yes. At Holbert Field and Eglin Air Force Base. Hurlbert Field. Yeah. They're in uh, itself the other end of Fort Walton Beach, more Navarre. And then uh, worked there real short period of time uh, in a special ops wing doing some really boring radar signature stuff on C-130s is nothing interesting at all. It's just basically how much light does a C-130 put off at night? And you sit at the end of the runway and take these recordings and readings. And Fun. It's really exciting. Yeah. Um, it was purposeful for someone. <laughs> so, um, And then left there and went into the contracting division over at uh, Eglin Air Force Base. Got to see some cool stuff there. They did munitions um, testing, some construction, um, base ops, all kinds of just different things. Uh, Eglin's a big base and they do a lot of different things there. So it's, it's a pretty cool experience to yeah. be able to see some of that. So in both those places, I mean, of all the places you can be stationed, those aren't the two worst places no. to be. Yeah. I had friends that went to, they graduated and went to Guam. They went to, you know, right Pat in Ohio. They went all over the place and I got stuck quote unquote, at, at the beach. beach, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> not too so bad. bad, not so bad at all. No, learn how to play golf there. Sounds good. Was it your plan to be in longer than three years, or did you 
Was that what you were thinking from the start? Well, originally, you know, I planned to make a career of it. You know, I just wanted to, I mean, the Air Force was, I mean, I, you know, all the, sounds a little cheesy, but, you know, all the fly, fight, and win stuff was what I was all about. You know, at, at the end of three years, they had a drawdown thing where, you know, this, you know, the Air Force and the military in general go through these cycles of, you know, adding and drawing down and adding and drawing down. And um, at that point, it was either go back through the entire pilot slot process again or just go ahead and get out. And I had some buddies that were working in Atlanta. You know, they just convinced me, hey, man, come on out here and try it in the private world and, and do, do that. And I went to school for construction, so they had a job there for me. So I left. And you keep a requirement for some for some reserve time because they did, you know, pay for part of your school when you're in. Right. So you owe them some more time. So I spent some time in reserve status after that, but eventually um, was honorably discharged as a captain. So didn't pin on as captain because I was sitting in my house when I got the letter that said you're a captain. So, especially. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you missed out That's on that. That's okay. <laughs> so you went to Atlanta before you came back to Tallahassee? Yeah, so I went to Atlanta for a brief stint, worked with a big uh, big outfit up there that was uh, had some other friends that were all working. You know, we all worked like dogs, and it was just the thing to do. You didn't really think you were working all that hard. It was just right. kind of what it was. And what um, kind of construction was it? It's just commercial construction, build a um, golf course, clubhouse, resort thing up oh, okay. there. Um, and then just kind of got really, you know, sick of the program in Atlanta and decided it was time to come home. And so that was about about eight, nine years, something like that. Um, you know, all my friends, most of my good close friends all lived in town in Tallahassee. So it was time to move back, moved back, started working here in construction. And that's where I am. Right. Well, there's a little more to the story than that. Yes. It, according to my research, which mm -hmm. much of it came from you. <laughs> um, I say you come back in 1999, back mm -hmm. to Tallahassee. Right. You're working in construction. Yes. And then at some point you opened up your own branch of a construction company. Yes. So um, worked for um, a great outfit here in town, Allstate Construction, guy named Bill Weldon. Fantastic man. Great guy. And uh, opened up an office, or not opened up, worked in an office, ran an office over in Jacksonville for a little while. Got probably a whole lot more experience at the age of 29 or 30 maybe than I probably should have been getting. Mm -hmm. um, managed not to screw it up, so that worked out okay. But then had another friend that um, sort of lured me down to uh, Stewart, Florida, to uh, work with them it was a little bit at that time it was a little bit larger of a company um, doing their pre-construction work and their marketing and upfront stuff on projects. And so went down there um, just again, short stint, but great folks love the guys to death, but um, South Florida was not for Courtney and I. So we had to get out. Um, South Florida was not, not, a place that there was no big tall pine trees, there were no big oak trees, and there was no place to go fish and hunt. I mean, if you were into the, the water and the river, it, everything was right there. Right. Um, and if you had that kind of money, you could live there. That was great. But right. uh, so we moved back, and when I came back, um, did a short stint kind of temporarily with a company, but all the while kind of planning to um, open up a branch office with that group from down south. That started the. And what was that called? Team South Construction. Okay. So we were originally Team Construction, and we sort of just all changed the name, went through some rebranding and some things, and worked with those guys for a long time. Uh, the end of that um, company, as it turns out, um, the operation we had up here was doing great. 
uh, it was towards the end of the first decade of the 2000s, you know, like that eight, nine period that uh, the market just really soured up. We right. had enough up here, but unfortunately, um, a couple of my partner, I learned a, a real valuable business lesson is that, you know, everything can be great under the um, umbrella of the company. But if you have partners who have other issues um, as well intended and as good people as they are, right, it can drag you down. So yep. um, we ended up having to close up because they just couldn't keep their head above water. So gotten some weird situations of, well, really just having to buy out partners because they had to have money and da, 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 da. And so at the age of, gosh, I don't know, 30, six, five, six, seven, somewhere around there. I got some really intense lessons on um, business, um, the legalities of uh, LLCs, operating agreements, banks, banking. I got, I got dunked. Um, so things that. that on the front end seem simple yes. and no big deal, yeah. but they were a big deal. When everything's going, it's great. And yeah. then when your partners get involved in some you know, development projects that just go sideways, um, then it puts a damper, a hamper on everything. And right. so, yeah, so I got, a, I got a good dose of that really early. It was good. I learned a lot and it, and it helped me moving forward in my life. I look at it as a, you know, it, was, it really stunk at the time, but it was an opportunity to know more than I probably should have known at that age, which I used moving forward. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we could have probably weathered the storm on our own up here, but I got a great opportunity with a wonderful person and his wife too, Lori and Kelly Dozier. So we, that sort of started the next chapter of my working life was Mad Dog Construction. Yeah. And basically he just, you know, kind of said one day, Hey man, if you're ever, your phone ever quits ringing, give me a call. And so it quit ringing. So, <laughs> so I called him. <laughs> right. I mean, this is another case like the Air Force, right? Where yeah. what seemed like terrible news and your yep. dream is being shattered. Yep. It leads to something that you- Yeah wouldn't have dreamed up on your own. Yeah. When I started um, the office up here with team construction, I mean, it was with three really, really great friends and, um, and people that, you know, I mean, I had to borrow money to start it and they lent me the money that, you know, they were just real loose and easy with it. They were great guys, really did a lot to, to really kick me off at an early age. But yeah, I mean, at that point, gosh, I just thought that was just what I'd be doing for the rest of my life. And never, you know, did I expect that at some point the market was going to crumble and then two of my main business partners were going to get in, you know, pretty deep financial stress over developments that they had. So what relationship did you have with Lori for him to reach out to you about a job? He had a client, a gentleman named Rick Carney, who was doing a, a building development project up in uh, Bannerman. And at that time, Lori's mad dog was so busy that he couldn't build the retail portion of the development up there. Mm -hmm. So we had done work with this other firm that was hooking up with Rick to do the development. Um, and the other firm pulled out of the project and was too small for them. And so Lori's standing there with a client, longtime client, Rick, who is sitting here with all of a sudden this project that this guy named Sean happens to know something about because we were coming in with the other group because they were all from down south. So um, we stayed on, built the project, worked with Lori throughout it. Um, he was sort of my owner's representative. And that's where we started our relationship was that project with he and Rick Carney and myself um, mm. working for my older company. And then we, we sort of stayed in contact over the years. A few larger commercial projects popped up and we talked about teaming on a few of those and they never really came to fruition. But So you joined Mad Dog. Yep. And in a couple of years, you're chief operating officer. Yeah. Right? So came in um, in 2010 and, you know, primarily the goal then was 
Um, yeah, I think their thoughts was here's somebody who has some experience in some different markets. Some Mad Dog Construction had been very successfully up and until the Great Recession with just generally building for developers. And that's all they did. And Lori would, you know, sort of joke that he never cashed a government check, you know, so we weren't working for school boards, weren't for, for working for the state. You weren't working for, you know, anybody other than just developers. Well, newsflash in 2008, the developers stopped and Mad right. Dog took a real tough turn. Um, I mean, a big turn downward just because they had no work and nobody was developing. Everybody just kind of sort of stayed back for a little while. And so the idea was that I would be able to come in, help diversify the company. I had some, some experience, I had a little bit of experience at Florida State University, had built some schools, um, had done some retail, had done some things other than commercial office and habitational work. And so that was uh, something I think they looked and sort of were hopeful that I would be able to come in and, and, and be able to you know, sort of fold into Mad Dog's book of work. And, okay. and we did that. And so in 2000 and I guess 12, I think it was, became the chief operating officer. It's uh, We have some great, great employees. So being chief operating officer in a sense of um, managing uh, who's at Mad Dog was really not all that difficult. Um, managing, <laughs> yeah. you know, all the other things going in construction. Yeah, that can be difficult. But um, we have great right. staff, great people. And we've had those people for a long time now. So. Right. Yep. And since then, you've you know, we're named president in 2020 yes. and are now CEO yeah, and, a, and a partner. Yeah. Well, tell for people who don't know, just yes. tell me a little bit about what Mad Dog is all about. I know it's got a long and storied history. So what, <laughs> tell me what the company's all about. We really should have Lori Dozier here and Kelly yeah, just, to talk about the early, early days. Just give, but me, the, just give me the short I can, version. I give of you it. the short version as, yeah. um, you know, Lori, two primarily Lori Dozier, Chuck Mitchell, Early days, Mikasiki Co-op, building houses, just, you know, figuring it out, real bright people, none of them technically trained in construction, but, you know, reading books on how to build a house, how to wire a house, how to do what, so they're out there doing their thing. Um, before YouTube videos, so they actually had before their YouTube reading, videos. Right. As I was swimming in the kiddie pool at Killarn, <laughs> they were, they were cutting the teeth of Mad Dog out there in the co-op. So, um, and not just those two, there's yeah. a, a, a band of people that were all part of that original uh, Mad Dog construction, you know, just doing a really good job of doing what they do before you know it. Somebody says, hey, will you go disassemble a barn and move it down here? And they think, okay, I'll do it. How much do you pay? Well, pay me $3 an hour to do it and I'll do it. You know, and they go do that and they do another one, make a few contacts, start getting into commercial, always kind of doing strange projects from time to time too. You know, originally it was, um, you know, geodesic domes and just sort of, sort of different type projects, which is how we got the name Mad Dog. A building official said, well, M&D construction just isn't good enough for y'all, so I'm going to call y'all Mad Dog. And he <laughs> changed the M and the D and made the M-A-D the O-G. And so that's how we ended up with the name. We get asked that all the time. Yeah. We've got great people. Um, people come to Mad Dog. They don't generally leave, you know, mm -hmm. and we like that. We say that we use that a lot as sort of a recruiting tool is that, you know, people land here, um, they generally don't leave this company. So uh, just uh, good folks, good people, just trying to do everything we can do for a client, however we can do it. So, Hey, everybody. Just a quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by Fiori Communications. Just like people, every business has a story to tell. And we've been helping our clients tell their story since 2001. Because who you are as a company is just as important as what you do. To learn more about how telling your story can make a difference in your business, Visit FioriCommunications.com. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. 
All right, we're going to switch gears Let's here a little bit. Let's do it. All right, you have uh, mentioned your wife, Courtney, yes. a couple of times. Yes. And uh, you met Courtney in 1999. Yeah, Is that right? around there, yeah. So uh, how did you meet? She can hear this? I Only if you tell her about it. Okay. Um, so was is, it, is this going to be a story where you're going to say she saw you from across the room and she loved you from the first no, moment no, or something? No, no. <laughs> it's not going to be that story. And she's going to have a, di- a different story? <laughs> no, it's not going to be that story. Okay. I mean, she may think something. Because I get those sometimes. Yeah. Boy, let's see. So was working for Allstate Construction, and uh, Bill had a friend named Buddy Phillips who was working at the Forest Sheriff Association. I know, yeah. And... Um, we uh we were building Allstate was building this little itty bitty kind of just office thing in the back of their building an annex back there, and Bill sort of you know I I got to tell you Bill probably did more for me in my career by just shoving me into circumstances that I probably had no business doing but figured it out yeah um which is to say I'm guessing he just had a lot of trust in me so went to this project um went inside first few times was sort of um you know just getting lay of the land meeting with buddy phillips and gary and these people that i'm going to be building in their backyard yeah i gotta tell you i just there was this really you know just transparently i didn't know who it was so i'll just say very attractive lady in a black dress black blouse with her hair pinned up in a little scrunchy thing and, uh, not that you remember. Not that I remember that no. at all. And uh, filing one day, and, and I sort of sitting there. I'm sure I was kind of gawking at her. I don't know. Um, but Buddy, as it turns out, also knew my father, who is all from Live Oak. My whole family's from Live Oak. And my wife's family is from Live Oak. She's from Live Oak. And so uh, I don't really know. I don't remember if I asked. But I, mean, I was really stressed out because I was like, wow, this is fraternization because she works for them and I'm building. And in hindsight now, I'm like, oh, I was completely overblown, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I, I don't know if he noticed that I noticed her or if I said something, but he said, well, let me introduce you to Courtney. She's from over here. So she introduced, I, you know, my cousins knew her cousins and da, 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 da. So went on a quick date um, back when the Buckhead Brewery was the Buckhead Brewery. Right. And we went to the same type of church. Um, both uh, were at an Episcopal church here in town. I was at Advent. She was at a place down south somewhere. Um, kind of like Crawfordville area. I thought that went great, and then um, called her up to ask her out on the second date, and she just said she was busy and didn't have time. And um, I thought that really sucked. Um, I was like, "Wow, okay, this is so how did this you, is working." Yeah. But, but she recovered, and we did go on a second date. So it just took her a while to get over the awesomeness of the first date. You know, it's I'm a lot. Sure. It's a lot to deal with. It's a lot. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. You know, your marriage and life together yes. has had a lot of happiness. Yes. But you've also shared some very difficult times. Yes. As well. Um, you've been very open about what happened in 2009 with your first mm-hmm. child. Yep. Just kind of maybe share the impact, sure. what happened and the impact that had on you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, um, as we were asked to write about that circumstance, um, we're working on some, some stuff with TMH and bereavement in that area, um, is that I don't shy away at all. It might invoke a few tears, but I don't shy away at all talking about my first, my daughter, uh, my first one. So, um, yeah, we, so we, you know, we, we played for a long time. We traveled for a while, just really never thought about kids a whole lot. Um, but then we decided, you know, Hey, it was time to start a family. So we tried lots of folks have, you know, difficulty with that process when difficult for us, we got pregnant fairly quickly and, um, Courtney got really sick really quick. She has a, has a condition called hyperemesis, hyperemesis gravidarium. I think it is how you refer to it. 
HG, it's um, it's a it's a bit of a tough. Um, it is a real tough actually thing for a a a woman to go through when she's given birth. She's basically you're nauseated and on your back for mm. the entire stretch of the pregnancy. So she's having to starting up. That was a hard time. Um, but then really for no, you know, kind of again, I guess for no real apparent reason, um, you know, her water broke and it was. I can't remember exact weeks, but it was at a point in time where um, we had to give birth. So we had our child, um, went through that um, process. Uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. I don't think I've ever prayed so much in my life that something, some miracle, something would change and something would happen that would bring our daughter, September is her name, mm -hmm. um, back to us. And so, uh, but it didn't. Um, so we we went through that that process um, with some really fantastic folks at TMH, you know, their, their labor and delivery unit. I couldn't tell you enough about those folks and what they deal with all the time and, and how really sweet they were to us in that process. I would say some definite um, spiritual moments during that actual time mm -hmm. um, that were really important and, and sort of really sacred to Courtney and I. So yeah, we went through the loss of our first, had to give birth to very sad, very tough time for both of us. Um, uh, you know, this is just me talking, but you know, for however tough it was for me, I, I can't fathom how difficult it was for Courtney. And just, I, I really never have tried nor want to really just try to put myself in in the place of a mother. Right. You know, right. I mean, I can could tell you a story of, of night after night of you know what after that, just um, you know, from losing a baby, then having to have delivery and all that process is um, it's difficult to watch. Um, but I will tell you that there's not a moment that goes by in my life now that I don't use that um, that time in our life to try to bring light to what is a real can be a real dark time for people um, when they go through that process. You know, I think uh, I fill my mind with good stuff. Uh, I try to, you know, think about what would my daughter look like? What would she be like? What would her hair look like? What would her eyes look like? Would she mm -hmm. have my eyes? Would she have Courtney's eyes? All these sort of wondrous things, you know, you think about like, what would that be like? And then what will that be like one day when we are reunited again? What is that? You know, right. How's that? How's that going to play out? I don't know. I'm excited to know. So I just, I just try to take September and that time and make that all about just, you know, I don't want her legacy on this earth to revolve around pain and sadness. So I just kind of refuse to let that be it. Mm -hmm. I just try to, you know, if somebody's going through that kind of time, they want to talk about it. I'm glad to talk about it. I love to talk about it. So. Right. Do you have a son and a daughter now? We do. But I imagine you were, there had to be some trepidation and some, yes. some hesitancy about trying again, right? Yeah, there was. Um, it was, uh, we, we got pregnant again fairly quickly with Noah and um, Courtney got very sick very quickly again. And we worried every day, Yeah, you know, is the baby kicking? Is it kicking? Is it kicking? You know, what, 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 what's going on? It's hadn't kicked in 10 minutes. hadn't kicked in an hour. I hadn't kicked in a day. I don't know what's happening. Let's run up to the hospital. Right. We wore, you know, Dr. McAlpin out. I mean, we just, you know, constantly coming. He was always so awesome. He was just, come in, come on in, come on in. We'll check, we'll check, you know, go back to L&D, go to treat, whatever it is. And you'll get, not the L&D at that point, but you go wherever you need to go and they'll find a heartbeat and go, okay, guys, you're good. You know, and we run on back home. But yeah, it, it was, it was, it was eight months because he was born a, a month early. Um, it was eight months of just fear every day, you mm -hmm. know, just being gripped by fear. From a faith perspective, you know, it's just not really where you want to be, but we just, um, you know, it's just kind of just where we were at that moment in our life, really. So 
yeah, I had Noah, um, then Nella Kate. Uh, we were ready to adopt. We were ready to, we had the uh, dossiers were complete. We were fixing to get um, booklets of little children from China and Courtney over the counter at our house said, I have good news and I have interesting news. And I said, well, what's, uh, it's like, okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me, I'm always a negative right. guy. So I was like, well, let me just try the good news first. So she says, well, we got approved for our dossier and they're going to be sending us, um, you know, basically children to look at and select, pick, walk through. Right. So that's fantastic. That's great. And we went and talked about that for around a couple of minutes. And it's like, oh, well, what's, what's the interesting news? She's like, I'm pregnant. So, <laughs> so okay, well, so we'll stop that whole process. Yeah. Uh, so that stopped all that. She again got really sick, um, probably the worst mm. um, that last round. So, you know, uh, really, really difficult time for Courtney. Um, so yeah, having kids for us is, um, and I, I can't, I can't diminish. I mean, she, when I say difficult, I'm talking about, I don't know a stronger woman. I mean, mm -hmm. to be able to endure that. Um, and if you've been nauseous for, um, you know, a few hours, you know, awful it is, you know, do that for eight months. I mean, literally yeah. it doesn't go away and it's, it is a mind game. I mean, in, mm -hmm. in a way that I just can't imagine. But she survived that. We had Nella Kate. Yeah, so that was, uh, child rearing was not easy for us. So tell me about being a dad now. Love it. Jesus, you know, I, I know every dad says they love it, but I, I, my kids are just awesome. I mean, you know, they're great kids. They're real bright, real smart. Love them to death. You know, we hovered over Noah a lot, um, and we're probably trying to unravel some of that hovering now. Right. Um, we were real scared when he first came into this world that something was going to happen, right? Because that was kind of our story. Like, yeah. Courtney's, you know, earlier childhood was kind of like mine, you know, parents divorce and then there's a fire and, you know, burns down a home and it's this and this. So we both had these sort of like, we're kind of conditioned to like something's going to go wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, 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 the first couple of years with Noah was something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Something's going to happen. That's it rough. Didn't, um, yeah. you know, and you learn later on as you get a little few more years under your belt that you know well that one thing does not have anything to do with the other both our kids now 10 and 5 and I love being a dad I mean honestly I, you know one of the reasons uh, somebody the other day was asking me why don't you play golf anymore and I just you know I, I, I really truly honestly just would rather be at home with my kids and my family um you know I wouldn't mind go hitting balls for an hour or two but to go spend a five or six hour block away from every that's just not what I want to do I want to be with them you know I look forward to getting home and being with them. And so I'm, I thank God for that every day. Uh, you've mentioned a couple of times also how important your faith is to yes. you. Just interested in how, what role your faith played, obviously in getting you through all this, but also, sure. you know, when it, when it became real for you, when, when your faith began to guide your life rather than just kind of being something on the side. Yeah. You know, I was brought up in church. Um, my stepmother was always great about making sure that I was there, um, had friends in church, but you know, that was just kind of going to church back then. High school, you know, we, we, gosh, we went to, what do they call it? Um, young life back then. Is it young life or was it something else? I can't remember what yeah. it was called, but there was these sort of, you know, sort of cultural Christian kind of groups of, you know, not doing bad things, sure. certainly, you know, keeping you away from some stuff. Um, but never really made a deep dive at all, you know, yeah. at all. Um, it's spirituality is sort of part of my, my father's life, but he was sort of one of these guys who didn't quote unquote go to church because, you know, his, his church was in the woods with he and Jesus. And that was kind of his thing. And I, you know, um, love my father a lot, 
but also realized that that really wasn't a good path. Um, you know, just completely pulls the idea of community and accountability out of your life, spiritually speaking. Right. I had a friend of mine who was always sort of there with me in my church experiences, um, a guy named Matt Deeb, great friend, kind of taught me into going to a men's retreat at Camp Weed with our old church. Uh, and it, 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 I saw some stuff that made me take a step back. Um, there was, this is going to get really odd for some folks who don't, <laughs> believe these things but yeah i saw some people i'll just say saw and experienced and with like firsthand secondhand account of some uh really wild physical changes in some folks um at an event there and really was for the first time in my life around some people some some pastors who were you know they were just completely sold out for their relationship with christ and um they really didn't take any sort of prisoners so to speak they just it wasn't fluffy stuff it wasn't a little bit of this a little bit it was you know it was real and um, i saw them living that out saw men living that i never really been around that before made a point at that time in my life to to make it a priority now moving forward spent a lot of time at church was baptized at four oaks um i think it was that's probably been probably six years ago, I think now, which is, you know, um, an open, you know, um, verbal sort of expression of your faith in front of people and why. And it really, I think having kids kind of changed my whole framework on things. And so mm -hmm. I will say I was baptized in, but really in the last, you know, several years while having a family and sort of redefining what being a father means, how I feel about being a father to them and what then thereby that might mean to what a father might mean to me has really changed my perspective. And I see, I just see it everywhere now. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, it's not just Sunday at church. It's, it's, I see God and thankfully for the message that, you know, that Christ has given us and getting through, through some tough times. I, you know, I'm not getting the details, but um, those moments in that labor and delivery room with my wife was, you know, I couldn't really, I don't know that I necessarily want to describe it, but it, it was spiritually for the normal person, maybe listen to this, it was spiritually weird. I mean, it was like there was there was definitely something going on in that room. I mean, I was I was terrified. I was I was so stricken with fear, so just absolutely you know, sad for her, just weep. I mean, it was just it was a it was the first part of that that thing that night, that delivery of our baby was just absolutely overwhelmingly fearful. And the minute I cracked some scripture open in Psalms and started reading that, I mean, I'm telling you, it's like the whole world just lifted off of me. Hmm. I mean, like instantaneously. But those moments, um, that that evening uh, there in that labor and delivery room was, um, and it didn't take the pain away, man. I mean, it just wasn't like I right. walked out that day and I'm like, oh, well, that was great. You right. know, it wasn't that at all, but it was like, I don't have the strength to do this. Right. And I have no explanation whatsoever than how I got picked up off, literally off the floor in those moments um, to be supportive for my wife. Then I was just getting held up. I you mean, you know you was. didn't have the strength no, to do that. No, I did not. Absolutely not. All right. A couple quick things and we're done. One is um, you've served on various boards yep. over your time, including the Associated Builders and Contractors, Tallahassee Chamber, yeah. which you're still a member yes. of the board. yes. The Carney Center, it was a task force, right, for COVID-related COVID issues. COVID-related issues, yep. Right, and and your um, church involvement, you've yep. served on boards. Yep. So uh, tell me, why is it important to be part of the community? What drives you to serve on, you know, and help these organizations? Gosh, uh, you know, um, 
I'm always humbled to be asked to do any of those things because um, sometimes I really don't know what I bring to the table, but I, people ask, so I, right. I show up. You know, uh, ABC Associated Builders and Contractors was that was back in the All State days, um, but it was good. You know, I didn't know that there was a whole another world of you know associations, people that represent people that have businesses like yours, and that there's actually a lot of important work that gets done down at the Capitol to make sure that the environment within which you do business stays the environment you do business in. So um, learned about that. Um, The chamber has been great. Um, A lot of exposure just to a lot of different things and incredible leadership there. You know, it's all about people really at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And it's, um, it's not just, I probably have learned, I think the most is it's not what you have to say. It is how you say it. You got to think about what comes out of your mouth before you (laughs) say it. And boards teach you that because you will quickly get held accountable at a table of people. If something blips out of your mouth and all of a sudden it's like, whoops, I shouldn't have said that. You're, somebody's going to tell you about it. If you got a good board, someone's going to sure. tell you about it. So. Yeah. Sean, looking back, yeah. uh, what is the one thing or person that has changed or altered the trajectory of your life to this point? God would be first because um, I don't doubt for a minute that whether it's failing a form work final or losing a child, that those things or, or you know, even having to shut down a business, I mean, it's I don't – I got to think those things are there for a reason, you know, and I don't know what that reason is. I don't, I mean, ultimately some of those things might bear out during my life where I can see that like, Oh, I, I, well, if I wouldn't have failed that former final, I wouldn't have my wife and kids. I'd be flying airplanes in some place, wherever, whoever. So God first, certainly. And then, I mean, without the hands down here on earth, my wife, Courtney, I mean, she's, you know, I mean, I didn't tie till I met her. I mean, she, she just, there was just so much about her, she is incredibly strong, devoted, just crazy devoted to our family and our kids. Bright, smart, quick, funny, um, beautiful. And it's got to be her. Okay, the name of this podcast is How yes. I Got Here. Yes. So we've talked about your life and how you got to this point. Yep. So where do you think here might be for you in three to five years? Pragmatically, uh, you know, expect that I would still be president and CEO of Mandel Construction. I hope that we have in that moment that we are still building projects, still providing great service to clients, um, still providing great opportunities for the employees that work there. I am hopeful that um, my kids will all be healthy and I will be healthy, that my wife is healthy and that, um, you know, my relationship with God is closer than it ever has been. You know, I just, I'm always kind of in awe of it few years I took a look back and I go well I feel like a lot more has been revealed kind of to me in terms of just how I relate to that but that's that's what I hope I hope this um, I hope this world figures out some of its garbage um, that we quit you know finding reasons to be to find fault with everyone else around us that we can we can have an injection of grace in our life around here Um, I say around here is in this country probably the world too gosh I hope COVID's gone you know, that people can start hugging people again. I think our world needs that. You know, they need to get mm-hmm. together and smile on the brother. That was Sean Roberts. And I agree that it would be great to smile on your brother. And then maybe everybody get together and try to love one another right now. Something to think about. Thanks for listening to the show. You can subscribe at Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Thanks to my amazing staff at Fiori Communications who pick up the slack while I'm working on these podcasts, and to Troy Bloom for composing our theme music. 
You can hear more of Troy's creations on Facebook and Instagram at Troy Bloom Music. To connect with the podcast or suggest a future guest, follow us on social media or email us at podcast at fiorecommunications.com.